0: Welcome to the Slingshot Group Podcast, where we tackle the leadership topics everyone is thinking about, but no one is talking about. And now, let's join our hosts for today's episode.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Slingshot Group Podcast. If you've been with us in season one, season two, welcome to season three. We've got some amazing stuff planned. Today, we have an awesome interview. David sits down with Jarrett Stevens. If you don't know who Jarrett Stevens is, he is the pastor of Soul City Church. Jarrett's also authored multiple books, and his latest book is called Praying Through. And that's what we're going to dive in today. I think we should just jump into the interview. Let's jump in with David and Jarrett. Uh,
2: Jarrett. Thanks for being with us today and diving into this important conversation around prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it I feel like you and I have been kind of orbiting each other a little bit. We, yeah, we've we're... been like friends from a distance, <laughs> and I'm right. so excited to be with you.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, We were just talking about that a minute ago about how we've literally, it's, it's as though God was trying to keep us apart. Who knows what <laughs> might happen if we were in the same space at the same time, but we've literally been in each other's orbit for the last like over 10 or 11 years, like just yeah. kind of same circle friends, but you know, missing mm-hmm. each other. So it's really great to be, to be here with you. Thanks for having me, man.
2: Oh, so fun. So fun. Uh, we're talking about prayer today which yeah. is, is one of those topics that seems so simple, but has become, you know, so complicated uh, yeah. for so many. And, and so for you, you, you've been a pastor for over 20 years. Yeah. Uh, so you have this really incredible vantage point. Why do you think prayer has become so complicated for people? Yeah, that's a great question. I, and I think that's really the,
0: you know, this book that I just wrote, that's the whole heart of it. The idea of it is to uncomplicate prayer because it's really not, Meant to be complicated, we are the ones that that complicate it. I mean, the whole heart and the whole idea of it, as laid out throughout the whole of the Bible, and as you see, you know, modeled throughout the Bible and modeled in the life of Jesus, is just presence with God, conversation with God. It doesn't even have to be the conversation, it's just presence with God. I'm aware, I'm intentionally aware that I'm with God, and I can talk to Him, I can listen to Him, I can take postures of prayer, all kinds of things. But somehow along the way, we systematized it, and Mm -hmm. we put rules and regulations on it. You know, we took something as powerful as the Lord's Prayer, you know, when Jesus' disciples finally got up the courage to say, okay, we don't know how to do this. Like, you know, they're good. You know, they grew up knowing all the prayers that they were supposed to pray, but there was something different about the way Jesus prayed. And he gives them this powerful way of praying, and what we did with it, what did we do with it? We took it and made it something to memorize you know, or in my church where I grew up and I grew up in the church. And so we sang it, we don't, you know, I don't even memorized it, but we yeah. sang and we we went all out and we sang the Lord's prayer and that's great. And then that can be helpful and that could be meaningful, but we're missing the point. And mm-hmm. the the whole point is presence with God. How do we incorporate presence with God into every aspect of our life, into every season of our life? So really we're the ones that complicate it. We make it big. We make it feel like we're, you know, like we look at others, like for me, you know, all be in a room and someone will pray and like, we're all praying and I'll go, you know, instantly in my head, I'm like, gosh, I I wish I could pray like that. You know, I'm thinking to myself and I'm totally out of presence with God yeah and I'm totally in comparison mode. You know, it's like, oh man, how do I follow them? You know, that's something we do. We make it this thing where we're supposed to sound like this person or supposed to do it this way, or, you know, depending on your faith tradition growing up, like these are the words you say at the specific time. And I just think that completely flies in the face of what we see taught and modeled all throughout the Bible, which is at any moment in any season, I Mm. can be fully present with God just as I am. I don't have to wait. I don't have to perfect it. I just start where I'm at as I am with God. And that to me is the whole idea of the book is how do we start to see what we might see as obstacles that might keep us from God actually as invitations to connect with
2: God in a new way. Oh, I love that. I love that. Uh, one of the things that you talk about in the book, you talk about this idea of of living in the direction of your prayer. Can, can yeah. you talk a little bit more about what what you mean by that? Yeah, I just I just taught on this a couple weeks ago
0: at Soul City Church. You know, the the idea of I I I believe in believing big with God. You know, like I want to believe big that God can do it and God will do it, and I and I believe that. Then I think we're invited to do that, but it's one thing to say, God, you know, won't he do it? God's going to do it. Won't he do it? And then I do nothing. I, Mm -hmm. I, I I just kind of like, all right, well, I'm going to keep doing what I was doing, but God, you're a God of miracles. You can come in, you can save, you can turn this church around, or you can, you know, mend this relationship. And yet I play no part in that. And the whole Mm -hmm. uh, idea of prayer, that, that simple presence with God is, it is participatory. You know, there is, that is, that is unique. You know, a lot of the other practices we have in our faith, you know, baptism or communion, it's a thing that I go and I do, but there is this unique dynamic of participation in prayer. And I have a part to play. And so the whole idea of living in the direction of your prayer is, is my life aligned with the lines that I'm praying? Hmm. You know, have, have I, am I moving in the direction that I'm believing God's going to, to move? Am I, have I set up my life in such a way? Like, um, you know, you've probably, I'm sure you've had, you ever had a car die on you, you know, if you ever oh, like yeah. dead battery or whatever, ran out of gas, right? Yeah, sure. You know, and, the, and I'm a little bit older, so I come from the days before power steering. And so, you know, if you want to turn the wheels of the car while you're trying to get it off to the side of the road or get it kind of out of the garage, you know that it's a lot harder to turn those things if the car is sitting still. It's hard to turn the wheels, right? But if the car is mm-hmm. moving, it's a lot easier to turn those wheels. So good. And so that's the idea, Dave. It's just, when my life is moving in the direction that I'm asking God to move, I'm aligning my finances, I'm aligning my relationships, I'm aligning my leadership in the direction I'm asking God to move. I'm way more open to seeing God move than if I'm just kind of like, well, I'm going to you know, stick to the old way of doing things or I'm not going to change anything. But God, you got to change everything. So that's the whole idea behind that. It's partnering with God.
2: Yeah. I love that. I love that. I, 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 was on a, um, I was in a band for a few years and, and I was on tour. And I think the best advice you just actually said, the best advice I was ever given, we, ha- we stayed in this host home because that's what you do when you're in a Christian band is you, oh, yeah. you, stay, you stay in host homes, which is yeah. just magical on every level. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I, there, was this, there was this woman, kind of the, the grandma of this church that we were, we were leading worship for. And, uh, and she, was, she was giving us advice about our lives moving forward. And she says, you know, you can't turn a car. Uh, If it's, if it's standing still, you know, it has to be moving forward and you have to be able to move forward on that. Yeah. I think that that has stuck with me. And so hearing you say that just brings that memory back to life and putting that through the context of prayer is so powerful. I mean, in my mind I was thinking about through the lens of life, right. You know, but the the idea of communion with God, interaction with God, you must be moving toward that prayer is, is an incredibly powerful
3: point.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean it, it, for me, Um, and I talk about this in the book, like I only applied to one school. I grew up in California, so I applied to one school, a state school. That was it. Just one school. And it was like 45 minutes away from where I lived. And so I, I could have prayed, Oh God, you know, provide me opportunities. God, would you just have Stanford open up for me? God, have Berkeley open up for me. And it's not like they're just going to call me out of the blue and be like, Hey, we've, we've heard about you. We think you're awesome. Even though you didn't (laughs) apply, you know, that's just not going to happen. And so that's the idea. It's like, well, how can I expect God to move if I'm not moving in the direction, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen God do miracles. Don't get me wrong, man. I've seen God make For sure. so, I mean, this church that, you know, is uh, something out of nothing. But Jeannie and I also moved our whole entire life of the direction of starting this church from scratch. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be one thing like, God, we just want to see you start this church, but we didn't align our life or our finances or leave jobs or move from Atlanta to Chicago. So You know, for me, that that's the whole idea behind it is just how do I get my life going in the direction that God is already that I'm asking God to move, and if I'm not giving Him any room to do that, it's going to
2: be a lot harder to see it. Yeah, no, so good, so good. Uh, um, You know, most of our listeners are 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 in church leadership, they're pastors, they're they're leading ministries and movements. Um, You know, talk to me for a second about what pastors seem to misunderstand about prayer,
0: oh boy, I mean, where do we even this is huge you know i um, I think that there are so many temptations you know I just talked about we were just talking about the idea of living in the direction of your prayer, and I think for whatever reason, it is so easy in fo- full time vocational ministry to Assume that it is actually all up to me to forget mm-hmm. that God actually is the one who causes things to actually happen. Now, I play, like I said, I play a part in it, but man, I've just seen over my life and many, many years of of doing full-time vocational ministry that I like prayer is kind of the afterthought, you know, and it's kind of like, I got this. I know how to do this. And when I've been, you know, when you've been kind of in the game as long as as I have you know, you hopefully know some things of this season of this stage of life, it's like yeah, I kind of know what to do in this situation, I kind of know what what needs to happen here, and prayer sort of becomes this like, oh yeah yeah well let's let's say a prayer to start this meeting or let's say a prayer to close this meeting, you know, and the same can happen in my own life, okay yeah, I'll kind of pray to you know just kind of that's the thing I'm supposed to do, and the real shift for me came about five years ago when we were like, the church was a couple years old, and we just absolutely uh we just tanked man i mean we we gene and I were we were cashed out, crashed out, done. And this doing this work, creating this place for others to grow and find God was killing the work of God in us. Wow. And we we did that. We created that. It wasn't the church's fault. We we set up our lives in such a way that we were we had no margin. We were exhausted. We poured everything out. And we're not. We had very little. I, I won't speak for Virginia. I'll speak for me. I had very little personal relationship with God that had nothing to do with Soul City Church. Wow. So much of what I was praying for and praying about was for the church. You know, it's either our kids or the church, our kids or the church. So much of what I was studying, what I was, you know, pursuing God in was for a message that weekend. And thankfully by God's grace, he just pulled the rug out from underneath that way of doing things. And so for me it led to some real soul work. You know, I've been doing counseling for 15 years, but I went to kind of a deeper new level and joined a spiritual community called the Transforming Center and did that for a couple of years and joined a leadership group here in Chicago called the Conscious Leadership Group, which is not faith-based, but is really about leading from the center, leading from the soul. And for me now, it's, I, I just I don't know what I have to offer. I mean, genuinely, I would have preached this message, David, 10 years ago, but not from a place of authenticity. I don't know what I have to offer if I don't have a honest, growing, transforming relationship with God. I don't know what good I am to my wife, to my family, Hmm. to this church. And so for me, it's, and I, all of this can go away tomorrow, dude. Yeah. All this, like, I, I, all this church and all this stuff could go away tomorrow. I am easily, as Andy Stanley says, I, I, I'm easy to replace. I, it's not hard to replace me here. They can find anyone else to do this job. But at the end of it, it's still then, it's just me and God. That's what's going to last far beyond this church. Hmm. And so the shift came for me five years ago of like, I want a life with God that has nothing to do with any of this stuff. I want That's a good. life with God that is exciting and inspiring and something I can share with my wife and my kids. And every now and then something will come out of that, that, that I share with the church. And if, so I just, to me, I think that's, that's where some of it is, is I think we become such pragmatists and we become, you know, and slingshot, you guys are so good at helping leaders get better. And I, uh, that, I hope I'm getting better as a leader, but I hope I'm not getting better to the point where I edge out God. It's good. You know, where I've got my skill sets and I got my, Enneagram number, and I got my strengths finders, and I got all my little things in my tool belt. And I, you know, it's like when I'm leaving the house, you know, I got my keys, got my wallet, got my glasses, but I forget God. I yeah. forget that I actually, before any of this and long after this, that is the point of it all of my life, is relationship with Him. So for me, prayer has taken a couple different shapes and forms. One of them over the last five years that is a very imperfect practice for me is silence and meditation. That's become really important to me of just quiet, silent meditation, no music, no scripture, no journal, no nothing, no podcast, no nothing, just quiet and stillness. And what I found for me as a human and then a husband and then a father and then a pastor is it, it gives me a peace, or it it opens me up to this peaceful presence of God that I'm, I'm really, it's all going to be, it is all okay in his hands. It may not be perfect. It may not be what I like. It may be challenging, but it is ultimate. I am ultimately okay because I'm in the hands of a good and loving and trusting God. And I can sit for five minutes or 10 minutes and not have to say anything and just be still and trust that God is with me and God is for me, even if I don't say any words. So to me, it's just, I don't, it feels like, I feel like I'm, it's like starting all over again in, in a lot of ways of like, oh man, how did I miss this for so long of having this growing intimate personal relationship with God that has nothing to do with my output?
2: Yeah. I, I love how you talk about even you know, science and meditation as we park there for just a minute. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I, I get a chance to work with um, you know, some for-profit companies and uh, leaders that are, that are even not in the church. And what's fascinating is they tend to, um, like this is like a new revelation to them. Uh, like man, silence and meditation just just helps my day, uh, pushes things forward for me, clears out the cobwebs, and mm-hmm. and yet uh, those of us in the church, it's almost become uh, this practice that is so forgotten and oh my or gosh. mystical in a way yeah, that, that right, people that it make it a negative practice, right? And there's got to be this this resurgence of silence and meditation within. Yeah. Christianity in general but especially us as leaders who are constantly in the in the game of answering the question in the yeah. game of bringing the um, the answer to others to just sit and receive in that yeah. moment is yeah. so powerful.
0: No, you're you're preaching to the choir man. I mean I to to me this is, you know, I was over the course of this time, you know, introduced to this as a practice and several different ways of doing it and Sure. And tied back to the desert fathers, the desert mothers, like this isn't anything new. Like I think it's, you know, it's growing and growing and growing in acceptance. And I started going into the work of Dan Harris and his work with 10% Happier. And, Mm. you know, he comes at it very much from a pragmatic, agnostic, he would call himself probably an agnostic Buddhist. You know, he's like, I like these things, but it's not my thing. You know, it's not, I'm coming to this because my life is better by incorporating this practice into my life. Sure. And so th- that was helpful to me to kind of like, oh, yeah, but here's some tools, here's some things, but it's all Psalm 4610, Dave. That's yeah. all it is. It's mm-hmm. Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. Be still, not all my running around and all my having to have an answer and having to come up with a sticky statement for my sermon. and All that stuff yeah. is fine and good, right? It's great. But can I just choose to be still and know that there is a God and He is good and He's with me and He is for me? That to me, it's like, that's not new, man. That's baked in. Mm-hmm. The texts tell us in God, the gospel accounts that Jesus would go away to quiet places to pray, pull away, pull away, be still, and know that okay. I am God. So to me, yeah, it's, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what some of the um, bad press is around this. This is not something new. It's not, there's other forms of it, sure, but there's other forms of a thousand different things that we do and we don't even think twice about. Course. And this is one that's been baked into our faith experience and expression for thousands of years. And so, for me, it's like, oh yeah, how did I miss this again? This is so, this is so good and so important for me.
2: Yeah, I, I like how you how you word it in the book. You talk about moving from this idea of fearing silence to befriending silence.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because that came for me at that time of exhaustion. I was not hearing. I could not hear from God. I mean, I was. I remember sitting in front of my laptop. Trying to write a message, it was like a Wednesday, and I, I did nothing for that Sunday. And I think I stared at that screen hmm. for over an hour. I wasn't even aware of it. And maybe there's folks listening here who can relate or going through it right now. I mean, David, I was, I don't know where I was. I, I there was nothing. I was hearing nothing from God. Hmm. And that freaked me out. And so, you know, I tried to go back to all my old tricks and okay, if I do this, and all right, I read this, and if I, try this and none of it was working. By God's loving grace, it wasn't working. He was inviting me into some deeper places of silence and stillness. And yeah, for me, rather than just fearing, oh my gosh, I can't hear from God. What's wrong, I'm a pastor and I'm not hearing from God. Going, wait a second, instead of fighting that, what if I could actually find God in it? What if I could actually look for God in silence? And so yeah, that began my journey into just embracing silence, which as an Enneagram seven is the exact opposite direction that I want to go in life, is silence. But it's really become a counterintuitive, transforming way for me to grow as a person and as a leader.
2: No, I love that. I love that. You know, in in our work at Slingshot Group, we we talk to people all the time, leaders who are either on the front end or in the middle mm-hmm. of burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that they, they, I think your story resonates so much mm-hmm. with um, with the people that are listening, and, and 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 especially with a lot of the leaders that I talk to. Uh, there, there's something in the book that, that I, I think is really fascinating that I think mm-hmm. speaks to that a little bit. Um, you, you talk about how expressing gratitude has mm-hmm. this ability to actually change your body. I think, I think what's happening in the lives of, of so many, um, of us is we're, again, the, the pressure of the world, the weight of the world is on our shoulders. We, you know, self-imposed, mm-hmm. we are, we are charging at things, you know, uh, you know, running at windmills, just trying to figure out what's the, you know how are we gonna break the code and figure out how to you know reach this community or bring people forward and our intentions often not always our intentions are good and yeah. yet our bodies are breaking down in the Dude. midst of all of it and I yeah. mean I think I've I've had seasons of it so many have talk to us a little bit about um, through the lens of prayer how gratitude helps to kind of change that posture and and, and literally our bodies
0: yeah I, I think you know, as a, again, as a human and a leader, I think this is one that is, again, it gets lost, like you just said, in all the shuffle of doing more for God. You know, I want to see this church grow or I want to get through this season or whatever it may be. I think we so often miss, you know, the story where Joshua leads the Israelites right before they get to the promised land, he leads them across the Jordan River and it, that in and of itself is a powerful story, how God stopped the water upstream, you know, like before yeah. they even got there, God was already in motion, you know, doing that, right? So there's a whole other sermon <laughs> right there of how God already did it way upstream and then it reached them right as their feet touched the water. That is incredible. But on the other side, and I'm sure pastors and leaders have preached or written, you know, blog posts about this, they, they do something significant. They set up these stones of remembrance, they stop and say, God did a thing. We need to remember this. We need to remember this. We need to not forget this. And generations from now, people will come and see this and we'll be able to say, this is a testament to the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know if we can do that enough as leaders, you know, to mark, God, thank you. God, thank you. In big and small ways, you know, in big ways, you know, for whatever organization you're leading for your team, let's, let's just stop and just thank God for what He's done up to this point or this last week. We do that every Monday as a staff. We get Mm -hmm. together around the table after a time of prayer and worship. We get together, and the next thing we do is celebrate the goodness of God this last week. We just tell stories of where we saw God move and how God has been faithful to our church and all that kind of stuff. It's important. But I think personally it's important, too, just for me. Again, I don't want to ever lead past where I'm willing to live. Yeah. You know, I don't want to ever lead our team to do something or lead our church to do something that I'm not actually willing to do myself and incorporate in myself. And mm-hmm. just for me personally, that idea of gratitude, I mean, there is, you're right, our, we beat our bodies up and there is actually powerful, powerful physiological effects just to that. I mean, we could talk about the spiritual effects of how it's good to honor God and how it's good to tell him what he already knows about himself. Yeah, But it also... <laughs> I mean, I read a you know bunch on gratitude and cite a little like a fraction of that work in the book. I mean, it does like just the simple act of expressing gratitude hmm. actually increases your emotional well-being, helps you get along better with others. You're actually a more likable and enjoyable person. People who express and leaders who express gratitude are more resilient to trauma. And I remember my counselor seven or eight years ago said, you know, to be a pastor in my specific vocational calling to be a pastor is to suffer a thousand little traumas, yes. you know, and I was just like, oh, thanks for that one. That's really encouraging, you know, but it's, it's true. You're just carrying so much with people, right? By expressing gratitude on a regular basis to God, you actually are more resilient to that trauma. It doesn't mm. stick to you. You sleep better at night by expressing that gratitude you actually are physically like there's a physically healthier less depressed i mean it is a complete body and mind shift to just say to god what he already knows to be true about himself but it's important for me to say it god thank you for god thank you for i'm just acknowledging Mm -hmm. and getting in touch with the fact that you are good you are faithful and here's how and get as specific as possible and one of the big shifts for me a few years ago probably about two years ago was learning to thank God not only for the good things, right? We love to do that, like, you you know, sweet kids. Yeah. And so, God, thank you for our kids. And God, thank you for, you know, things that are beautiful and obvious. But to even thank God for the challenging things or mm-hmm. the not, the things that I wouldn't choose because God has a thing for me in and I just believe he works all things together for the good of those who love him and call upon his name. Like, I just think that there's a way to say, God, I am feeling fear right now. You know, I had a meeting the other day and I just came out of it feeling fear like, oh man, we are we are we are going way past where we've ever gone as an organization. We're stepping into new ground. We're trying taking on new initiatives and I felt fear coming out of it. And even to thank God for that fear, and I did a little work on this the next morning. God thank you for that because what that shows me is that I still have a ton to learn. God thank you for that fear because that that actually reminds me that I'm totally dependent on you. it makes me aware that I can't I have limits. Thank you for reminding me that I have limits. I mean, it's a small little thing, David, but for me, it's like, it just opens up infinite possibilities to just be present with God and say, thank you for things that aren't just what we would typically consider good, but that we might typically consider bad or challenging or unwelcome or unwanted. Sure. And to just say, God, I think you're in this too, or you have something for me in this. Thank you, God, that you have something for me in this. It's not just what I see in front of me. So, you know, that that's a big one for me that I I just don't know if I can say thanks enough to God. Yeah.
2: Nah, man, that's so powerful. You know, I, I like that, you know, and intentionally so we wanted to spend the first part of our conversation really talking to pastors about how prayer can be transformative and how important it is in their story. Because again, what you said it yourself, you know, the, it's the idea of not wanting to, you know, try and preach about things you're not willing to live into yourself. And I think that happens, you know, far too much within churches. Yeah. And I'm guilty Um, of it. Yeah, and I think everyone is, and you know, but there's something. So we wanted to make sure we leaned into that. Mm-hmm. I, I want to tilt just a little bit. Yeah. As pastors are listening to this, and they are in the process of leading their people mm-hmm. into uh, this, you know, this this act of reviving prayer in their mm-hmm. story, in their community, mm-hmm. in their life. Mm-hmm. How are you seeing that played out at Soul City? How have you seen mm-hmm. that played out in, in other churches that you have the chance to have some influence and leadership with? Mm-hmm. Um, how, are, how are leaders walking their people mm-hmm. closer to this concept and, and, and practice of
0: prayer? Yeah, I love that question. I think um, a couple of thoughts came quickly to mind when you asked it. Um, I would say that we are, over the last year and a half in, I don't even know if it can be called a revival because I think God's taken us to new places. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel, but it feels like what a revival feels like, but it's in totally new place. It's not like bringing back something that was lost. It's just taking us into new places of, of faith and, and dependence and expectancy on God. And we have, you know, one of everything, our, our church has a model that we say from the beginning and when we first opened doors was we want to be better seven days a week versus one. Our motto Mm. is seven is greater than one. We want to be the church better seven days versus just a couple hours on a Sunday. And so what that means is our church, there's people here all day, every day. And, you know, we're in the heart of downtown Chicago. And so space is at a premium in the city like this. And so a bunch of our small groups, our recovery groups, care groups, classes, like all, there's always stuff going on in our building. It's awesome exhausting but it's awesome mm-hmm. and one space that has uh, you know in the midst of all of our multi-use space like every room gets used for multiple things throughout the week but one space that has doesn't is not allowed to be used for anything else is our prayer hall we built early on into our church this little it was a back hallway and we you know didn't know what to do with it and so we're like well let's just make it a prayer space and so we made it a prayer hall and, um, when we built out the transformation center a couple of years ago, the new those you know, as we added on to our existing building, um, we were able to build the prayer hall the way we'd want it versus just this back hallway that, you know, was yeah. kind of what we adopted and made into and adapted and made into a, a prayer hall. And it's really powerful, David, to see for, for our folks, a lot of our folks are new to church or just coming back to church, having never really, you know, had an experience like this before, and our prayer hall has a line every service, every week for people wow. to go and receive prayer. We have a prayer team that's trained, and they go through very um, powerful training themselves so that they can actually listen to God, speak a word from God for folks. And, dude, it's powerful to see how this has just become this backbone thing to our church mm-hmm. that people know. I'm going to hear from God, or I'm going to receive something from God by going to this church and going specifically this prayer hall. And it's now, it's at a point where over the last year, a uh, year and a half, it's poured out of the prayer hall into our services, into our lobby, into small groups where people are just praying um, differently. And I can tell you exactly where it goes back to. I mean, I'll just give all credit. It goes back to alpha it goes back to being with Nikki and pippa mm. it goes back to what's happening at htb it goes back to the alpha conference um, there is something that has shifted in the atmosphere of our church and i can t- i can take you right to it and i look at what's happened at cherry hills church in colorado our friend shane is the pastor there i mean it is you know this is like a classic you know 80s 90s mega church that is awesome and it was great and it's had its legacy in in that area, but something's happened over the last two to three years where this, where prayer has really just become their expression. I mean, it really, it's just radically changed the atmosphere of that church. And it's powerful to see because it starts with the leadership. I mean, it starts with them and the way that they pray with and for each other. And then out of that, it has made its way throughout this church. And Shane would tell you it's because of Alpha. It's because of Alpha. And it sounds like a commercial for Alpha, but it is not what we expected to happen when we shifted to alpha a couple of years ago that God would unleash this. um, I don't know. I don't know what to call it this season or this era or this way of praying for our church. And it's taking lots of different expressions. And, and one of the things I love about, so just real candid talk, like one of the things I love about alpha is it's this very powerful, intimate expectant way of praying, but it's not. And I I don't want to use these words very carefully. It's not weird sure okay so it's not like to, to people who are maybe new to faith or outside of faith or are not part of the inside crew that knows how to say all the words and do all the things it's not weird hmm. and so that's why for us like we have people who i don't even know where they're at in the spiritual spectrum but they are being prayed for they're having a word from god spoken over them in our prayer hall or in our services we just had a prayer and worship night a couple of weeks ago and it was powerful to see what was unleashed in that and it's cool. It's inviting if that makes sense, do you know what I mean? Gotcha. so you know listen i you know I wrote a book on prayer, I'm proud of it. It's really great. What God has done through Alpha <laughs> has been so transformational in my life personally mm. and in our church's life, and I could point to different churches along the way like this God's doing the same thing there God if you open yourself up to it, God's doing the same thing in this church and in this church and this church, and it comes back to that openness and expectancy that God can and will move that's
2: so good, nah, yeah what a beautiful. What a beautiful way of thinking of prayer. Again, it's it's so easy for us as leaders to take things like prayer and have them be this kind of means to an end. Maybe if I pray, maybe if I send it for Alpha Alpha, right. or if that, I buy this book, yeah. my yeah. church will grow. Yes. Or my, it will. You know, I can
0: guarantee you, it yeah, will. Exactly. But you have to buy a hundred copies. But that's the only <laughs> way to get your church. To, that's the only it's way. It exactly. Works. <laughs>
2: I, 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 but we do that right it's you know we totally. you know, I, I can i can see somebody sitting in their car listening to this conversation right thinking about this is going to be the answer for church growth in my right. in my community and, and for right. my church
0: it's so good to call that
2: out david and yeah and, and if we can just like yeah let's let's call it out and just mm-hmm. say no like that's not mm-hmm. if, if it's a means to an end you're it, missing it the will, point yeah you completely miss the point yeah but no, if it's a new way of living, if yes, it's a new it. way of connecting to who God is in that's your story, it. in your community, in your church, yep. that has transformative power. Yes. There's something so beautiful about that. And I just really yes. appreciate, Jared, you, you walking us through how prayer has done that. I'm excited for people to read the book. I, I mm. appreciate you um, leading us through this conversation today. Uh, where can people find you online? We'll put it in the show notes, but but give sure. us a little bit of a verbal. Where can people find you? Where can people pick up uh, the, a copy of Praying Through?
0: Yeah, I mean, anywhere. That, that fine books are sold.
3: There they can go. get
0: it there. Um, Amazon is a place a lot of people go and get it from. You can learn more about the book or about me. at You just go to com J-A-R-R-E-T-T, Stevens with v dot com, or Soul City Church. You can follow what God's doing here and would love to connect with folks. And if they're ever in Chicago, we would love to have them. We would love to, they don't have to sleep on our floor like you did when you were on tour. <laughs> so, but we would love to meet them and love to hang out with them. Um, yeah. So JarrettSevens.com or check it out at Soul City. Um, what God's doing here. And yeah, listen, I told you this before we even did this. I'm so incredibly grateful for you and for Stan and for Monty and for Slingshot. Like these, When our church was first getting off the ground, um, I'm so grateful for their belief in us and for their support of us. And we, you know, Stan's daughter, Sarah is on our staff. So we get to see Stan, the man, so uh, quite a bit here at soul city. And he's just kind of a fixture around here as well. He has a, he has a place and an influence here in our staff and in our church. And so, so grateful for you and for all that you guys are doing. It's really personal to me. And it means a lot to me to be able to have this conversation with you today.
2: Uh, that means a ton. I appreciate you and we're mm-hmm. excited for what's coming. Thanks brother.
1: Appreciate it. All right. That was an incredible interview. Way to go, David. You win. That was uh, really good. Jared is an amazing guy. Um, that was uh, profound and impactful. It just makes me think how, uh, from you guys' perspective, you've been in ministry, your are church leaders. He talks directly to prayer and church leaders. How has prayer... Been a, a vital part, or even a struggle, in your life as a church leader. What did you resonate with with what Jared's story?
2: Yeah, man i I have had like a really interesting journey when
1: it comes to prayer personally. Um, Wait, you pray? I, I do. I do. I, I was really expecting you to jump in and yeah. say, "I don't know. I've, I've never really, <laughs> I've never really given that prayer thing a shot." <laughs> and that's so why we're good, friends. It's good to hear, David. Yeah, proud yeah. Of
2: I, I I've had a really interesting journey with prayer. Um, I think, it, you know, in the beginning, it felt like uh, pray because you're supposed to, right? So yeah. that, you know, growing up and, you know, I, I didn't actually grow up in church. So started going to church in high school and I kind of bought that. You pray because it's the right thing to do. You pray because um, you, you're expected to. Right. Um, and 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 you're expected to because there's power in it. Yeah. Hmm. And that was, that was a, I mean, I really ran with that for years. Um, I think I then started moving into this place where I started to doubt prayer, mm-hmm. where I would watch leaders, because I went straight into ministry. I mean, it was like, I was a Christian for a year and a half through youth group, and then I was a youth pastor, well, you know? Ex- and that explains a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, it, <laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs> yeah. but, but I started watching these leaders that, that, if I'm honest, it felt like they, they didn't need prayer. Yum. To do their jobs, yeah. and so it made me wonder about how powerful it actually is. Because the people that I was looking up to and reading their books, and you know, listening to their music, and you know, I, I, would, I would get to know them, and and it felt like prayer was the way that Jared had talked about it was was kind of an afterthought. It was a thing that you do because you're supposed box. to. Yeah, you check yeah, it. It's a good question. Um, yeah, you do this. Hey, we're starting a meeting. We should probably pray, um, you know. And there was something about that that really that really struck me. And there's there's something that that Jarrett said that ever since doing this interview a, a little while ago now, um, has just you know stuck with me in a, in a pretty major way. Uh, he said, "I don't want to become such a good leader that I start to edge out God." Yeah. Mm. And there's something about understanding the dependency on God that mm-hmm. brings prayer into a new level yeah. that I have to be honest, I i go in and out of as a leader. Yeah. There are seasons that I feel very much that is true of my story in my life, and there have been other seasons that I'm like, I got stuff to do. Yeah. And I got to go, kind of, you know, hoof this out and make sure that when this gets done. And I and, and and prayer becomes the afterthought. And so I I go in and out of it. Is I don't know. You guys are far yeah. better leaders and Christians yeah. than I am. So you can well, of you can push on that. But <laughs> yeah. but that's been my experience. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: if, yes, you can become. You know, we, we I think we did talk about this a little bit in season one. But you can become so the thing about ministry, you can become good at it. Yes. Where yeah. you're, I'm so good at this, I don't need. I don't need God anymore. I can just run the play. I've got the play. Yeah. But I think too with prayer, like I did grow up a pastor's kid in church and it was it was very much a formulaic thing and I think it's with anything familiarity breeds this contentment almost sure. of yeah. just like I'm it's yeah. so familiar. It's something that I do, it loses its power. It's mm. just, you know, like like anything else in life, like that we take for granted. Like my wife, I think my my wife, like I love her. She's amazing. All the things that she does, I a hundred percent take her for granted because I'm too close. Yeah. I can't even see her value. Yeah. It's just a part of life. And I think as a pastor, church leader, it's so easy to, we're professional Christians, you know, quote unquote, we get, we get paid to pray and prepare our sermons. And it, it's almost like prayer just be, lose, becomes this hollow thing that right. can become meaningless and, and nebulous and numb yeah. to it. Yeah. Almost.
4: I'm so grateful though, as I look back, um, you know, when I first came to faith as a senior in high school, our youth ministry, and thanks to our youth pastor who was part-time vocational, he put such a great emphasis on prayer. I, I Like I remember coming to faith and like, the culture of church that we were in was like, we're in a spiritual battle, mm. and unless you are equipped, you're mm-hmm. gonna get your butt kicked today. Yeah. And so the idea of prayer was a way of strengthening us for that for that battle, for that fight. And so just that framework, even in our youth ministry context, like the Ephesians 6, like being prepared and putting on the full armor of God, um, I was... I had that foundation laid, and as I entered into ministry, I I interned under a youth pastor who, we started the morning, every every morning, 8 a.m., 8 to 9 was an hour of prayer in the chapel, and there was this music going, and we would open our Bibles, sometimes there was people praying out loud, other times it was quiet, but it was just this atmosphere where before we started the day... We're going to spend time, and it, yeah. it was more individual than corporate. But we left time for that as well as we set the day, and that was every single day. And so that happened for me for the first two years after coming to faith in Christ. And so I had this incredible foundation. But what I found, to your guys's point, the longer that I got in ministry, the longer I stayed in ministry, the more I realized, like some of this stuff, you know, I don't even have to ask God, right? Because yeah. God's he's going it. to do it. He's in it. It's His work. We're doing His thing. We're good but the older i've gotten the more relevant the passage of uh, passages of jesus's own journey uh in leadership as he had to withdraw after seasons of exhausting himself and mm-hmm. pouring himself out for the masses where he withdrew the bible says to the lonely place or the desolate place mm-hmm. and you know it's funny when i started hearing the phrase like your quiet time your quiet time i didn't know what that was for several years because we always called it the secret place cuz that's what Jesus called it. So, you know... What we kind had to, of weird... <laughs> yeah, but that go? does sound... It does sound a little creepy.
2: Come to the, the secret, secret place. The yeah. secret
4: place. Yeah, well, Jesus said, when your father hears you in secret, right? So it's that idea For of sure. the of the secret place, finding that place with God where you can reflect, where you can cultivate intimacy, where you can express yourself in worship, not just corporately, but privately and then also, just taking that time to, to sabbatical and to reflect and rely fully on God becomes yeah. more and more important if we're going to sustain a life in ministry over time.
1: Yeah. I feel like there's this, this point. And I, I look at the, I reflect back on my life in ministry. There's this point that if you do it long enough, there's a cycle in which you start ministry, a lot like you're saying, we, there's that prayer time, it's a valuable piece. You become good at ministry. And in my story, I hit a wall, like I almost had a nervous breakdown and I lost my ministry. And then suddenly I was back to a place where now I find myself, I'm reliant. If I don't pray today, I'm not going to be capable of doing this. And that's, that's really where we have, have to live. I love that, you know, Jared, he talks about his counselor and he mentions, you know, that ministry, enduring ministry is like, uh, death by a thousand, thousand cuts, and how you get over that or how you deal with that is gratitude and being mm-hmm. thankful in in, in in every moment and in, in all things, dwelling with God. Because of my personality, I take everything personally because I want people to like me. Uh-huh. You guys like me, right? Sometimes. You love me? You sure. love me? Yeah. And And so <laughs> whatever you say, <laughs> yeah, man. man, yeah, we'll We're go with you. it. We'll go with it. <laughs> But as a pastor, you're you're out front. You're you're constantly being questioned. Mm-hmm. People are, you know, you're you're preparing messages, and you're either starving for that affirmation, mm-hmm. you're either getting that or you're not. And it's so easy when we are relying on ourselves to get all of our inward, inner need met from mm. out the outward thing instead of our inner prayer life in the quiet time, spending time being alone with God. And and that's how we endure those yeah. thousand cuts. If you're not doing that, it's a matter of time until you find out yeah. the hard way, like I did, you're going to hit a wall. Because mm, yeah. God loves us enough, sure. right? He's loves us enough to make you crash and burn.
2: Well, and I think that's something that Jared also talks about in this, is he, is he talks about um, finding... The things that seem to be roadblocks and helping them to, uh, helping to reframe them as invitations. Mm. so those those difficult conversations that you're having with people in your church, the times that the event just doesn't seem to work out, all of the things that tend to come that feel like this is is really going to be a roadblock for me. Um, moves us into a place where what, what's actually starting to happen is we view that as an invitation to engage with God in a new way, and and the way that He says this, and again, this feels so. It, it, there are so many books about prayer, right? Which seems yeah. uh, weird in a way because it's it's not supposed to be this complicated thing, but we've overcomplicated it in such a way that that, that viewing it, moving it from um, roadblock to invitation, the whole point is presence with God. Hmm. Yeah. And when you really sit in that, I think that there's gonna be a really, uh, there's gonna be a beautiful um, breakthrough in your ministry, in your prayer life, in your other relationships. You know, even um, you know, the last thing that he's, that stuck with me is him talking about, uh, I, um, I I really don't think I am anything without it. Mm-hmm. I, like, yeah. I, like I wouldn't be good enough without it. Yeah. And to come to that place, I don't think you come to that place accidentally. Mm-mm. I think you come to that place intentionally. Yeah, And so... Um, there's something just that's just beautiful about the way you frames it. I'm, I'm excited to have people read the book and you know and and maybe even bring in some questions around it. I think there's some beautiful
1: conversations that are going to come. Absolutely. Well, this was a good, good. This is good stuff. Like I'm so thankful for this. Even in my personal life, we need this reminder all the time. So all of you out there that were listening today, hope this was helpful, uplifting uh, to you and, and helpful. If you want to learn more about Jared, please uh, go to the show notes. All of his info is going to be there, his links, website. Go get the book, Praying Through. It's going to be good to help you. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Slingshot Group podcast. We'll catch you next time.
4: Well, hey, everyone. We've come to that part in our episode where we take a few minutes and we share stories from the front lines of ministry. And today we have our very own Dan Lavalia with us. Dan, it's so great to have you. Why don't you take just a minute and tell everyone who you are, a little bit about you and what you do at Slingshot Group.
3: Yeah, so uh, I'm Dan Lavalia, and my role at Slingshot Group is really in the next-gen area. So children's and family ministries, I do cross over a little bit into student ministries, do quite a bit of the staffing side of things to help you know churches partner with them, build remarkable teams. We're ready for this story, man, so lay it on us. What do you got? All right, all right. So I think I'll tell you the story about—so you know how you go to your office— and it's your space. It's it's almost like your mind palace. You know, it's just a place to hang and just to <laughs> mind breathe palace. and think. Yes. Maybe take a nap or play music or t- you do something. So I go in there, and I, I'm like, "What is that smell? It's the mm. strangest smell." Now I did I didn't leave anything in the garbage. It wasn't near any restrooms. It was. I mean, it was it was just this weird smell. Now I figured, well, kind of a marsh area. Maybe it's something outside. No, it was in my office. So I'd gotten this couch donated to me. That was kind of fun to have. And I had this office chair that was kind of new and I'm sniffing around and both of those just stink, just Mm -hmm. stink rank. So I'm like, well, I guess I I know how to clean stuff. So I got some of that foam cleaner and I'm cleaning the two things. And I could not quite get the, I could get the fabric done on the couch, but not on the leather chair for some reason. It just was embedded in there. So I ended up having to throw it away because this, Scent kept coming back day after day and getting worse. And so eventually I threw that one away. I bought a new chair. That one started smelling. I had to clean that. I was like, uh, is there a problem with me that no, I'm not telling anybody or somebody's not fessing up, Like, Hey Dan, we need to talk. Yeah. So then I start noticing on my desk that there's like little bits of frosted flakes and cornflakes. And you're like, what is this? Where'd this come from? And then I noticed that something was going on with my internet. So we had just started getting internet. I was the only person who had set up some wired system so I could like at least use Netscape and go find something. Oh, anyway, yeah. Netscape. somebody had been searching Christian single sites and like trying to make a match. And I'm like, oh, this is going to come back and get me. I mean, this oh, was yeah. before people were tracking, you know, what's everybody's history and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, I didn't I don't remember doing that. So anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm starting to panic, you know, and then we're seeing these other sites. So I finally figure out something's going on in my office. And I just go, hey, trustees, uh, I don't know what's wrong with my office, but can we get a new key? Can you change the locks? That would be really helpful. We could eliminate this problem, I, I think. And they're like, nope, no way. There's no signs. So we set, we almost had to set up a sting to try and see what was going on. One Wednesday night, uh, we're locking up the building. Everybody kind of leaves. And the senior pastor was the last one to lock the door. And he noticed something shifting in the shadows. And this body goes down by the, by the sanctuary because that was the darkest hallway. Goes over, chases down the hallway, and finds a guy from our church who had lost his job, who was embarrassed oh. to tell us. He was a young adult. And he just he was like, I've, I've been living here in Dan's office.
4: Just <laughs> eating cornflakes in the morning in Dan's office. Every
3: day he would live and sleep in my office. I had no oh, idea. We're man. like, dude, we could have talked. Yeah. Probably going to work this Probably out. Probably help, help you. Yeah, we got your back. So yeah. anyway, it was it was crazy. So they changed my lock. Appreciated that. You know, they, trust yes. you there. they got your back.
4: They do. They do. Dan, it's been so fun to have you on. Thanks so much for taking a few minutes to share our story. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back again here real soon. Uh, thanks. It's great to be with you,
0: Keith. Thank you for joining us this week on the Slingshot Group Podcast. We invite you to continue the conversation with us on social media. You can find Slingshot Group on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, be sure to visit us at slingshotgroup.org to find out more about how we build remarkable teams through staffing and coaching. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Slingshot Group podcast so you'll never miss a show. Until next time. Thank you.